you say all your kids are done with school for the summer? Yep. This is, this is the first, first week, I think. Nice. Yeah. Are you guys, do you guys have any plans for a summer trip this year? No, no summer, no summer trip this year. We went to Savannah um, during Christmas break. Oh, cool. This past year. So that was kind of a nice big trip. And then my youngest finished up eighth grade. And so he had his like Washington DC trip during spring break. And then my eldest is going to be a senior in high school and his French class did a trip to Paris. So like, I oh. kind of feel like they're well vacation. So I didn't feel too bad about not planning yeah. a summer trip. I was like, it's, like, I haven't been to Paris. Like, <laughs> no, I took Latin. So what were, where were they going to send us? Like, you want to go to the Vatican? The past? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I was just thinking the other day about how I didn't go on the eighth grade trip. Wow. And the only memorable yeah. thing from any of my friends that went was uh, my friend Mark got his shoelace stuck in an escalator at one of the museums they went to. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a terrifying moment. <laughs> it sounds very eighth grade boyish. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to, he was, he was like, I'm not going to stand on those footprints instead to the side and found out why you stand on the footprints. Yeah. I, I had an escalator destroy a suitcase uh, oh. a couple months ago. And I was like, really? And then I was just trying to be all like casual about it. Like, and you know, people behind me were like, oh, that guy just had his fucking suitcase destroyed by an escalator. What an idiot. <laughs> Like, you know, oh, and man. I was just like, what, whatever, I'm just going to walk with my destroyed suitcase to the train thing and go to the other terminal. It's fine. The suitcase is like uh, 700 years old. So it, it was time to get a new one. So it was, it, was it was one of those situations where you're like waiting for something to happen to allow yourself to buy mm -hmm. a replacement. Yeah. You know, it, it died doing what it loves best. Traveling. So <laughs> traveling. There you go. <laughs> Uh, well, David, we're here today to talk about the code red worm. It is not a virus, it's a worm. And tomorrow the code red worm is expected to cause another round of outages and slowdowns on the internet. What does it mean for you and businesses with computers? We're joined now by Jim Margolis from thecomputerguru.com with more and Jim. Code red deactivates as soon as you reboot the machine, but of course it could get reinfected. There is a patch available at Microsoft's website that takes Code Red off and prevents that vulnerability from being exploited. Code Red was a computer worm that was observed for the first time on July 15th, 2001. Uh, it attacked computers running Microsoft's IIS web server and was the first large-scale mixed threat attack that successfully attacked enterprise networks. Uh, its widespread impact was largely due to how quickly and efficiently it worked because IIS was the standard for Windows NT and Windows 2000 at that point. It affected a lot of other systems with web servers, mostly by the way of side effect, which exacerbated the overall impact of the worm and cemented its place in history uh, as one of the many malware outbreaks infecting Windows systems in the 90s and 2000s. I feel like that was also where like antivirus really got its really got its teeth into things, like the beginning of the beginning of the end of Norton. Uh, so the way that it worked was Code Red infected systems through a buffer overflow vulnerability, which was pretty common at the time. Um, there were there were buffers for overflow, and once you hit that, it would just execute any code. 
So they used a huge string of the letter N to overflow a buffer, allowing the worm to execute arbitrary code and infecting the machine. Uh, it was first discovered and researched by EI Digital Security employees Mark Mayfred and Electronic Eye, right? Yeah. Or something like when we had the electronic mail come around. That, that stuff yes. was exciting. Oh, good call. Good call. That was probably yeah. right about the same time. Yeah. They named it Code Red because they were drinking the Mountain Dew flavor of the same name at the same time. Kenneth D. Eichmann was the first to discover how to block it and was invited to the White House for his discovery. Uh, the way the worm presented itself was to deface a website, which basically completely replaces the site's contents. And the screen just said, hello, welcome to www.worm.com, hacked by Chinese. Who knows how true that was? It also ran a protocol based on the day of the month. So the first 19 days were spent looking for other IIS servers to attack. Uh, the eight days after that, it launched DOS attacks on fixed IP addresses, one of which included the White House. So it was pretty cool that uh, the guy got invited to the White House, full circle. A rewritten version called Code Red 2 hit the internet the next month, but it primarily focused on Chinese servers. This was this wasn't the first of, you know, the the direct attacks on virus or systems, but uh, what was it about this one that just made it like stand out aside from the obviously sweet name? I don't know if this was the first one or maybe the first big one, but it the big ones before were like you got some email from somebody and it was like hey, open me up and click a thing inside here and it'll be great. Yeah. And then you clicked it and, and then it wasn't great. And then it just like went through your Outlook inbox and emailed your grandma and, and then she infected all of her friends at the retirement home. And it just kept going around and around. Um, so like, so like, before, prior to this, you had to like actually enable an action that did it. And then this was like maybe kind of like scarier computer to computer because I did... Oh, people really understood even servers, much less like a buffer overflow attack and things like that. So it's like, obviously, how is this just happening? Like computers talking to computers. And I think it's easier to get your head around the fact that like you get an email and if you click a, click a thing, then something happens to, to your computer. Whereas like just servers getting attacked uh, is maybe stranger. Like that turned into, a, at a certain point, people of a certain age just stopped opening email attachments. Like, I feel like that started with about, like, us. You know, like, I feel like people younger than us don't open emails, don't open email attachments from people they don't know. Yeah, because the first ones were, were that. And so it kind of, like, got ingrained into your, your, your basic, like, internet safety standards. And so then, you know, I guess if you're... A hacker and wanting to do things then you gotta go go do other things and the great thing and the thing is like it was always windows systems for like years and and it continues like often to be the case and the reason it often is the case is that many people who choose windows are like government entities education entities that don't have a lot of money to spend on it resources who patch things regularly so like yeah. microsoft will have something that happens They'll be like, here, patch it. And then 10 years go by and you never patch it at, you know, the hospital or, patches, or patches fall off. you know, <laughs> and patches fall off or whatever. <laughs> so, that, so then hackers hit those vulnerabilities. And it's not like they need to like 
really research them hard. It's like Microsoft's website, it's like, there's a security vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. Fix it. Uh, yeah. IT administrators and, and like, you know, nobody's around at the hospital to, to fix the thing. So then they get infected. They're like, we actually don't have some time for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we were at my dad's house a couple of months ago. And he was talking about having a problem with his Norton antivirus. I was like, yeah, my dad has consistently used Microsoft computers with antivirus <laughs> software. <laughs> I yeah, don't know if that uh, was something like, I feel like back in the day it was like Macs can't get, Macs can't get viruses. I'm sure that they can, but it was just a lot harder to exploit that definitely seemed to be the case that it was just more potential to do more harm on windows systems than on uh unix based ones um to your point there's a lot of like a lot of government systems a lot of uh healthcare systems places that need really big networks generally rely on them which then you know once you get one thing in the network easier to yeah worm your way through the rest <laughs> i would love to know what happens once you click on worm.com you know like what was the point of them creating the worm just to deface the deface you know there's probably main, some main reasons that people do you know computer virus <laughs> things you know obviously yeah. like want to cry was to make money uh to do crime right. things and that's that's often you know the the, the most but there's plenty of people that just, you know, want attention and fame and want to be talked about on a podcast, you know, 20 years later. Um, so, you know, you're welcome, you. <laughs> uh, Code Red creators. We, we uh, hope that we've fulfilled your desire to um, be talked about and be famous in a strange way. You know, there's the white hat type people or think people who think they're doing white hat stuff like I remember somebody just like doing a bunch of simple SQL injection attacks on various education sites to just like be like hey and then they would contact them and be like like you need to you need to fix your stuff like there's sensitive like information about children in in your yeah. databases and like fix it yeah uh, so so there's you know there's various things i asked chat gbt uh why hackers created the code red virus because i figured i figured chat gbt has to know <laughs> Yeah, because like, you know, that worm's been around and ChatGPT talks to computers. ChatGPT was a little cagey, um, <laughs> told me that it was like, you know, malicious intent. Um, but that it's important to note that as an AI language model, I cannot provide specific motivations or intentions of individual hackers or groups. Okay, so, ChatGPT. Just need to infer, you know, remember, remember that. <laughs> just just a robot i can't be can't be talking about people's motivations but yeah he, he but ChatGPT did say that, that they might include factors such as personal gain a desire to cause disruption a demonstration of technical skills political activism or simply desire to challenge security systems maybe it was ken who did it right <laughs> kenneth eichmann he was like if i do this i could go to the white house yeah yeah. 
I'll create the problem and then fix it. I mean, I feel like we see it like the most prominent ways you see it. You know, you see like anonymous hacking things and trying to think of other, I don't know. I guess I, I haven't thought a lot about the implications of like, you know, like white hat hacking. I'm sure. I wonder if anyone's ever made a white hat virus. In, in my uh, red code red um, researching, I discovered that two people made worms to fix the code red worm. So it's oh, really, it was, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, our COVID vaccines, basically, you know, here's a, here's a virus to fix the virus or whatever. Yeah. So oh, that's was interesting. Pretty, Were they successful? I mean, according to this uh, article from 20 or not 20 or 2001, you know, one of them was called code green creatively titled there uh yeah and cr clean and then you know they came with their own warnings similar to chat gpt warnings saying you know we're a worm and use at your own risk i wonder if you'd be more or less likely to instigate that worm if you knew you had been hacked by another worm would you be a little bit leery of it well and then it did the same thing so it would go and look for other <laughs> It would look for infected code red machines and then be like, hey, do you want to clean up uh, with wow. this? Wow, that's yeah. crazy. So it kind of would just run the same the same yeah. vulnerability to see who else had been exploited by it and say, do you want me to exploit you in a better way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to be nice about this? Would you like me to be aggressively helpful and fix your computer? <laughs> With kind of your consent. Yes, aggressively <laughs> helpful. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wonder if there would be, ever be a time when like things become unhackable, or do you well, think that that's just part of like the that's part of like technological innovation? Is like the instant somebody finds something new, somebody else will find a new way to exploit it. Yeah, I think I think as long as people want to, you know, do the things that ChatGPT you know, told me our motivations after saying that they couldn't tell me motivations, you know, yeah. it's going to be a case. I mean, We're the was built to, yeah. They are there. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, then it was made to share information. It wasn't made to safeguard information. So like the security is always has come second. Um, and, and because it's always been about sharing information and innovation and that's not wor worried about how, people are going to exploit your innovation when you're when you're innovating so i think that's always going to be a concern you can you can you know i think uh you know once the apocalypse comes and the internet's down and you know we're all back to paper and not using computers then it'll be hard yeah i always uh my in-laws have a a box of note cards with all their passwords and it's it's like the most secure way to store your passwords yeah. Because like hackers cannot get into your box O passwords. Um, yeah. My mother in law carries hers around in a little book. It's like in her purse. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean I guess now people who are listening to this are gonna go to my in law's house and like steal their passwords. So that's that was probably a mistake. Sorry. We're just giving Sorry, them Dottie. Awesome. Sorry, Ozzy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Crystal. I, Man. We're just yeah, we're exposing the, their vulnerabilities right now. 
<laughs> I need to put the box in another box or put the box in a safe now. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever? Um, yep. the, you don't have to answer this because okay. if you've done something illegal, we don't want to put you on the spot. <laughs> have you ever? Have you ever done any like white hat sort of like exploring vulnerabilities and systems? Or have you? You know, is it like something that you've been interested in as part of like doing development, doing like security stuff? I think like the only thing I've ever tried is like like a simple like SQL injection type thing just and yeah. it might have been somewhere I work but like it's never been that uh interesting to me when I uh, worked at a, a fintech company we worked with a third-party company that did um that employed white hat hackers and so we would give them oh, cool. uh, access to our um system as if they were a customer and then they would do um you know pen test um hacking attempts and then if they found something, depending on uh, the severity of the uh, vulnerability that they found, they would get a bounty um, somewhere between like a couple hundred bucks to like thousands of dollars. Uh, Man, all right. So yeah, it's like a it's a it's an industry um, unto itself, and it's a specific skill set and profession. You know, you can find all sorts of Udemy courses or Coursera or on on white hat hacking. I was in Vegas for a friend's bachelor party. Um and the bachelor party happened to be at the same time as the white hat convention was happening at the hotel we were all staying at. And this friend whose whose bachelor party it was was the person who like got me into software. Um so like one of the guys who was there just <laughs> didn't he didn't do like any of the bachelor party stuff during the day. He just went to the white hat convention. I was like I admire that. Like, all right. Could do yeah, it all day. I, I, never. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the people I worked with at the finance company was was really into white hat hacking and and also I think not white hat hacking and, and went to like <laughs> a conference where people don't use their real names and stuff and like are, Everyone aren't jumped. allowed to post on social media and. <laughs> Okay, so to touch on the other point, this is uh, this uh, this part has nothing to do with hacking. The code red. So you had said, I think it was like you, I think you said it was the second flavor of Mountain Dew, and you feel like were it was. correct. Was that right? Okay. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. like a, it, I feel like it was a big moment in uh, in software or not software soft drink history. <laughs> software soft drink. Yeah, so it came out in 2001. So that was the same year that this, that Code Red happened. So they were like brand new on the scene. Today, there are 32 flavors of Mountain Dew. Wow. wow. That is a lot of Mountain Dew. <laughs> I had an incident in like probably middle school, early high school. My mom was like a single mom and was kind of just like, get, grab whatever you want for breakfast. I don't care. <laughs> and I remember one day, like going to catch the bus and grabbing cookies and Mountain Dew. And that was like the end of my relationship with sugar and with Mountain Dew. That's a good uh, breakfast. So uh, it's going to get you through, yeah. through the day. Yeah. Or at least, at least the first hour of the day. At least for the bus ride. Yeah. I got, uh, lunch the other day and they, there was one of those pepsi freestyle machines with oh. i think even additional options i just sent you the 
the photo, I meant to send it to you sooner. Cherry, vanilla, strawberry, lemon, but Mountain Dew, like, this wasn't even like Baja Blast stuff. This was just like, let's throw some, throw some fruit things in your Mountain Dew. Vanilla Mountain Dew. Yeah. I mean, there's a... You can try up to three flavors. So, which three did you put <laughs> in your Mountain Dew? I, I was scared and just got, I just got a, a, a Pepsi with cherry and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Can't go wrong. I should have. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like a, a method actor prepared for podcasts. I didn't, I didn't go <laughs> return to my Mountain Dew drinking roots to, to no. get into this. No. no, there's been no, no Mountain Dew consumed since you told me about this podcast. We did see there's a, there are a lot of antique shops out here. Um, and we were in one and we saw the sign that looked like a it looked like a re a repop sign. It was like perfect. And it was a vintage Mountain Dew sign that was selling for eighteen hundred dollars. Apparently there's a deal with like the the original Mountain Dew guy. If you can find a sign with the original Mountain Dew man, they're worth a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I didn't know Mountain Dew had a like a like an old mascot like there was a mascot of a like a, yeah. is it is it some mountain climber on a dewy slope or something no it's a a little bit more redneck than that he's got like, a <laughs> straw hat it was a it was invented in tennessee okay um to oh wow that. yeah that's yeah that doesn't age well that's pretty yeah. bad no it doesn't <laughs> Oh yeah, it, it has an inappropriate name too. I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. I was like, we'll leave that for somebody else to research. You can do that on your own. Yeah, yeah. NSFW. Man, what else was popular? What all, what popular drinks during that time could have been consumed? I was I was thinking um, with the you know probably racist xenophobic name of the you know that they put in with the hacks by chinese stuff like i think it would have been more fun if they had said hacked by canadians um and then and then they could have named it clearly canadian um after that drink and it was it would have just been a much better fit i loved clearly canadian clearly canadian was like the treat Oh yeah, it was always the treat because it was like somehow like hard to get or more expensive yeah. or, like, in the glass bottles. It was just like this is like high class software or soft drink right here. This is yeah the best. Yes, high class. And there's probably there's probably nothing Canadian about clearly Canadian. No, just like Texas no. Pete's is not made in Texas. <laughs> yeah, they're going through a lawsuit. Do you remember just- Surge? It was another uh, kind of like lemon lime soda, Mountain Dew ish, yeah, but uh, Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew acid. It was like yeah. extra caffeine. It was like more caffeine than Mountain Dew. Yeah, there's so the energy drinks. It's a it's just wild now. But you know, people don't even you know the esports crowd is not drinking Mountain Dew anymore. They're on to no. much more powerful things. Of all the of all the drinks, like if we go into like alcoholic drinks you know four loco always always a great one zima always is good you know putting like a jolly like, rancher in a zima 
<laughs> I feel like Zima was ahead of its time. Like, I feel like the Zima people are like looking at all this like hard seltzer stuff and they're like, that was us. Like, why we did, why did people head. get it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if they still do it, but up, up until a few years ago, like I think Coors had purchased the Zima name and you could go on the Coors tour in Golden and get Zima at the little like bar thing afterwards. <laughs> it wasn't good. I obviously tried it. <laughs> still, still, still not, a, still not no. good. Sorry, sorry, Zima creator. Sorry, actually. Zima. It was a, you it might was have been the original, but well, now that we've covered it all, we've covered the worm, we've covered the code red. Any last thoughts on this particular worm? Not, no, not on this particular worm uh, or, or any other worm. Or any other worms. Garden yeah. worms. Garden worms. Yeah, just, just, you know, if you discover a worm, just try to be creative. Remember that it, the name might be, last a long time. Make sure you're drinking something amazing. There are millions of craft beers with absurd names out there. If you, if you discover how to stop some kind of computer virus or worm, you could hang out with Joe Biden and then spend an hour trying to explain computer things to an octogenarian. Yes. So. Try, to, try to explain overflow vulnerabilities. Yeah. <laughs> Using oh, a glass of okay. red Mountain Dew. <laughs> Which is Joe Biden's favorite drink, actually. Is it? <laughs> Our president loves, loves Code Red. It's in, his, uh, it's in his Twitter bio. Yeah, don't fact check that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.